0: Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. It doesn't take much to find guests smarter than our own power athlete radio hosts. This week, however, we are way out of our league with guests Joel Dudley and Chris Mason of Longevity. These guys are bringing preventative health practices straight to the gut. Their research is showing that by tracking the bacteria found in your digestive system, they can create individualized dietary recommendations that can be made to optimize your performance. The results are undeniable. Participants have been feeling, thinking, and moving better just simply by getting to know their bodies from the inside out. Here it is, episode 336.
1: Power Athlete Nation, what is up? This is Luke. This is John. I'm here with Tex. With- <laughs> Wait, no, this
2: this is Max. This is Tex-Mex. This is Tex-Mex. And you're John
3: oh wait defeat, wait who's friend, friend? of the podcast i'm friend of the podcast uh,
1: and i'm featured guest uh, sean <laughs> well
2: <Wellborn A. laughs>
1: that's what you guys you Bongiorno. <laughs> Bongiorno. <laughs> <laughs> like the like the creepy dude in Eurotrip.
2: No, like, uh... Excuse me, No, fucking, um... Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. He's like... Buongiorno. Dude, my favorite. He's like... You speak third best Italian. <laughs> I
1: don't speak any. Exactly. Uh, dude, that, that movie, when, when he's like and uh... Um, when the guy comes out and he hits the dude in the head, and he's like, Charlie fucking goes yard. <laughs> Uh Teddy uh, ball game. Yeah, yeah. T- yeah. Teddy Ballgame goes fucking yad And he, like, smashes his head. And, oh, it's the best. I love that movie.
2: Haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet though.
3: I, uh, not, I haven't had the yeah, opportunity. I, as no. Well.
2: well, how about we cancel this podcast? and Just go.
4: Well,
3: I think there's other movies to see, isn't there? What? Oh, there is. Ad Estrada.
2: I'm working on it, man. I've got small windows.
1: Wait, small windows. What? Uh, there's something else that looks pretty good that we got to go see. Uh, Rambo. Oh, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Rambo.
2: Are you sh- Hobbs and Shaw? I watched that this uh, last weekend. Uh, what the what, fuck was that? What face did I tell you?
1: What did I tell you? Hob, Hobbs and Shaw makes a Fast and Furious look like a uh, historical documentary.
2: I thought the movie was fantastic. I thought
3: the at characters point, had great chemistry. At any point, did you stand up out of your seat? So,
1: in awe, like uh, I you did thought, fast eight. I, I thought that the chemistry between The Rock and uh, um, Jason, Jason Statham's Statham. sister was totally forced and awkward. Oh
2: yeah, but him and Jason Statham love, was fine.
1: Are they a love interest? In, in the real movie,
2: life? no, Duroc just got married. You fucking dipshit! Well, Don't oh, in yeah. the
1: film, Wait, it what? was it was. You like haven't seen it? They tried to make a love not. interest. Are you, I took my kids to you see yeah. it. You just saw me, it last week. Let me tell you. Yeah. I've got a newborn, though. Dude, first of all, my twin daughters and my your,
2: three-year-old son have twin seen it. His daughters. His three-year-old son. They've seen it. You haven't seen it. You haven't even taken a date. You haven't taken four dates to this movie. You should be taking dates and knowing all the lines. I, That's I how you get lights. I <laughs> memorable. I think it's
1: memorable. <laughs> That's how you, you get a fecal transplant.
3: Hobson Shaw was released on the same day that Luke's daughter was born. Mm-hmm. I think oh. it was like... Mm-hmm.
2: She'll always remember that. And so, to Uh, tell you the truth, the part that got me to stand up, and it's not a spoiler because it's in the preview. Wait, you mean and leave? No, like, come on. Come on. No way. Like, so the part. Slow clap. In fast seven or fast five, that got me to, like, stand up off my seat and, like, (sighs) literally in the theater was when. Uh, Paul Walker was running off the bus and jumped. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. like, he's not going to fucking catch the cliff. He's not going to be able to grab the cliff. And what happens? The Letty, car. Letty drifts her spoiler <laughs> over the edge, and he grabs the fucking spoiler. That
1: is amazing uh, like i got goosebumps just thinking about uh, it. dude the uh, what did i tell you where he has the chain that wasn't he grabs it. the chain yeah, and that is holding it. the, the co- helicopter but like
2: i saw that they didn't show that in the preview but you knew that fucking shit was gonna happen uh, number one number two was when he punches through the window and fucking just punches that guy through the window going 70 miles an hour grabs him yeah <laughs> it's fucking like the best oh uh, uh, yeah and then also that dude's motorcycle was pretty... Like, uh,
1: amazing. Yeah. How it like transformed. Yeah. No, yeah. I was,
2: and there's a couple of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you are like the amount of... The, the, like well, the, the physics behind those
1: punches. Well, here's the other issue is um, I just want to know how they punch people when yes. they knock somebody out with one punch. They never have a mark. And like there was one where he got like he gets hit in the face of a lead pipe. Not a single mark on his face. Which, which one? The Rock or yeah. Statham? Exactly. I can't. I mean, yeah. d- literally, like b- everybody, like oh. like they're just getting their asses, pon- like like uh, like oh. like karate kicked, like fifty foot, like into a steel, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, like a steel wall. It bends the wall, and they like uh, get up and shake it off, not a mark on their body.
2: But the first out loud laugh and clap, which is like of appreciation, and I don't think this is a spoiler either. Maybe it just, is, uh, is. Just later is like so he's going to get Statham's sister right. Like when cause she's in danger, yada yada yada. Well, he,
1: she's also thirty years younger than Statham, so I couldn't figure out she's when in they mission should be Irrelevant. But she's remember, in her twenties. So you remember this 20s.
2: John is like The Rock confronts her because she's like off the grid, but The Rock can hunt anybody. Yeah. Luke Hobbs. Yeah, And she's off like, the grid. No fucking global force can find her. And Luke Hobbs is like, I can find anyone. And finds her like five fucking minutes, right? And he's like, Hey, you're in big trouble. She's like, Oh, who are you? Are you like trouble? Are you helping me? He's like, I'm here to help. And then they get in their little brawl in, like, that alleyway. And then she, like, gets, like, does some fucking, like, scissor kick and, like, takes him down with, like, a helicopter kick and then gets him in, like, this headlock. And he's like, all right, I've had enough of this. And, like, does a Turkish get up with her? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, like, he's been playing along and then he just, like, no problem, stands up with her, holds her up over his head and just, like, we're done, done with this. And I was just like, come on, that's so fucking,
1: that's the part that you, uh,
2: that was my first standing uh, clap of many.
1: Uh, yeah. It's, it's just like, like the forced romantic, like it just, uh,
3: yeah, I could agree with you there. Like they, cause they, there is, that would be an opportunity to improve. Hold on. Listen, it's, it's Hobbs, right? He's that, that's a, uh, the rock. What in the fuck, man? Doesn't he have a daughter in one of these? Don't you remember when yeah. he was laid up in a hospital yeah. and he like
2: rips no, his he, cast, off cast off? He still has his daughter. He
1: still has his daughter. Does she one? make an appearance? Uh-huh. Yes.
2: She's a major character in the plot. If you would have saw the movie, you would be asking these stupid questions and wasting our listeners' time. And number know. two is he never ripped his cast off. He shattered it. He flexed it off like <laughs> normal people no, do. No, I, <laughs> thought, I thought he
3: like smashed it up against I thought he something. just like
2: flexed it and blew off. I At can't. least that's-
3: I stopped watching the series after they killed Gina Carino. I can't
2: text text listeners. If you can please help me send text an email at text T E X at powerathlete and let's just give him an intervention. You need an intervention, a fast and furious intervention.
1: No. Uh, that's what someone who needs an intervention would do. Dude, say. uh the Fast and Furious lost me in the one where they were driving on the ice and the person. They clearly with... lost
2: you. You went and saw the movie.
1: No, uh it was <laughs> and on then TV. The sequel. It was on TV and they like uh were chasing him with the sub.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. <sighs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Soon like mark my words. Well, John The Shaw, Cena... the Shaw and Hobbs series will eventually Face either aliens or dinosaurs. That's my fucking no, no, no. prediction.
3: I did see an interview or something where Vin Diesel said, Fast Series, maybe it was the director, is going to space. Uh, and they just signed John Cena.
1: Ooh, oh, ooh, fucking John I Cena. I do love John Cena. He's great. In, uh, he was in that. Uh, Cockblockers dude. Yeah. That
2: movie, Cockblockers. He's, he's like,
1: fucking hilarious. Dude, when he does the butt chug, he's like, just put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can do all this. And they're like, ah, oh, he's fucking, he's the best.
2: Uh, speaking it, of butt chugging, parts. Speaking of butt chugging, we have a real, (laughs) real shitty show today. You guys get it? You guys get it? A few weeks back, well, a few months back, we met with some, our friends at Thorne. They started chatting with us about an initiative, their partnership that they're getting into with a company called Longevity. And they make these at home. Well, first off, they've entered the market with an at home stool sample.
1: Test a way to measure your microbiome.
2: Yeah, so to do some gut microbiome testing. So we got involved and we were like, we were eager to test it out. That's what we had done. And who we have on today is Joel Dudley, Chris Mason. These guys are the co founders of Longevity, who are like going to eventually scale outside of just gut microbiome, but they're like an at home testing company that wants to provide insights and actionable feedback to the individuals who get these tests. And, um, we took the test. We get to talk to these guys who are super, super sharp. And I know, John, you've been digging into yeah. the microbiome. Well, let's just start like high-level. Nutrition has been like a kind of a pillar of power athletes since day one and yeah, just no, optimizing. It's, and it really has started to filter down into something a little more complicated, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of uh, as... Simple as it started, as complex as it's gotten, it almost brings it back to the simplicity nature yeah. of this. I think what we did is uh, there was this different nutritional strategies for intervention that we looked at in terms of like, hey, we got to do X, Y, and Z. And I think through the last you know, 10 or 20 years of, uh, of my training and my research and the, the smart people I've worked with, it really goes back to this idea of metabolic flexibility. And, uh, you know, the statement that the healthiest individuals who can maintain the most amount of lean body mass and perform at the highest levels are those that can eat and survive and live and be able to make performance on the greatest diversity of food. So, um, you know, and then the problem that we run into is that we constantly are looking at these different ways to manage pathology as a performance driven deal. And I think what was really fascinating for us is, um, all this stuff's conjecture. It's all observation. It's all wishing, Hey, I'm going to do this and I feel better, which is an emotional response. But do you really know what's going on inside you, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the micro, uh, like the, uh, microbiome and is the collection being able to be accurately understood? And then once you get that information, how do you action it? And I think the reason I was so excited about longevity and what they were doing is not only is it a, you know, new cutting edge technology. These guys are, um, you know, university professors, clinical researchers, you know, with labs and, um, they're doing it in a different way that nobody else is. So um, as soon as we saw that, man, I knew we were on board. And and then to be able to action and be able to provide information and a way to, you know, become the best version of yourself, which is really what we plan to do here at Power Athlete. How do we make you the baddest version of yourself?
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, we had a little pre-call, and it was like a, a great reprieve that they're pretty funny dudes. So like if you're th- waiting for some well, nerdy lab guys who only yeah. push their glasses up and talk like nerds, well, you got that, but you, they also have a fucking well, great sense of humor. Well,
1: the, the, the thing I think sometimes we worry about is, uh, you know, when we, we bring on people, I mean, if you, guys, if you read these guys' CV, it reads like, Jesus, these guys are pretty sharp. So it was nice that we had a, a call with them ahead of time, one to kind of hit and understand the questions and provide them the information and really just get some foundation and figure out that they're mm-hmm. actually pretty funny dudes that got a good sense of humor. Yes, for sure.
2: Um, well, I guess that's about that. If Oh. If you enjoy this podcast make sure you leave us a five-star review yes
3: smash that subscribe button
2: yes and subscribe and download and set up another email (laughs) and subscribe and make more comments well isn't Uh, that what the intern does all day yes that I mean eight hours it takes them three hours to set up one email address you think you fucking it'd be point and click by now you know it's been two years Um, no Head to Power Athlete HQ. Well, I guess find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. Leave us a review. Tap that five stars. Talk about how funny we all are. We sound very handsome, smart. The usual things that people leave in reviews. Um, text, do we have any notable reviews that have been left recently? And if you're a fan of the show and you want totally unhelpful reviews, go to the fucking our iTunes page because you guys are... <laughs> Hilarious. Yes, you're great. And I say idiots, but I mean that as a term of endearment. Right? Uh, yeah, no. I yeah, because it's... it's like clashing against what everybody else is writing about every other fucking fitness podcast. But uh, we try to break I out of really it. I don't really think that we're
1: a fitness podcast.
2: People think we are, though. You know? And that's what we're classified. Like, where else are we going to fucking class? Home, home home goods? What other classification would you put in? Um, I think, like, uh, high-level education. That's not a thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is a real thing, but it's
3: not but, a uh, thing yeah, in iTunes. Uh, I'll read the most, l- the latest review. <laughs> okay, and because because it's a quick hitter here. If you're ser- this is from uh, B. C. McQuoiden, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, here it is, five stars. Thank huh, you, thank you. If you're seriously looking at the reviews, punch yourself and push play <laughs> on an episode. You won't regret it. Strength, <laughs> comedy, and great conversation on just about anything you could want that's it i love you guys
1: (laughs) (laughs) these are my people
3: that's right man
2: enough about us um let's talk about longevity and gut bio
1: let's do
4: it shall we let's go all right guys good to be talking again yeah Yeah. yeah. Uh, i feel like we're old friends yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's
1: been so long i know so what's changed
4: Everything, uh, Chris, everything, is, everything everything's changed, everything, everything's, changed. Everything, everything's
5: changed microbiome's changed yeah the the
2: theoretically all of
1: our uh, microbiomes have changed we're they? completely different people yeah you know what's, yeah. The, what's the age old like a uh, man never walks in the same river twice that's right
4: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, well, you know, this, this, uh, I don't know if we talked about it last time, but this drawbridge health device, uh, this blood draw device that we, I don't know if we talked about, it, that's got uh, cleared by the FDA.
1: Whoa. Oh, oh, so, nice. Uh,
4: that's changed since we last spoke. So, we actually, if you go to the Longevity Health website, we have a little uh, you know, teaser about it. Sure. Okay, there now. So, and
2: then what, so when so. does that start to like push out?
4: Um, you know, we'll see. We, you know, we, we hope we'll probably be running some pilots you know this year and then probably open to the broader uh you know public you know early next year yeah um it's actually not it's approved for what's called a supervised draw now which means that a a practitioner has to still be observed but that can be like a pharmacist it can be someone to be a telemedicine consult and then we expect the unsupervised direct to consumer you know clearance
1: by next year so what they're doing the blood draw and then they ship it off
4: Yep. ship it off yep and yeah. then we we you know we have the whole we're working on the back-end lab part of it as well so wow but we can get we think we can get a surprising number of uh, blood tests in this little uh
1: little cartridge here it'd be great is, is it a drop like uh what's the volume uh,
4: 150 to 300 microliters so it's uh drop would it's be not, like maybe, yeah. i
5: don't know maybe it'd be like
4: 30 drops
5: 20 20 drops how
4: much is it yeah in that range yeah, you can do a lot with that amount. I mean, it ultimately looks small because it's in a dry blood spot, so it definitely doesn't look like a tube of blood. But it's a, you know, from Chris and I's perspective, that's a it's a lot of material to work with.
5: Yeah, the whole universe of biology, right there. Yeah.
4: So how exactly. come
1: uh, how come when we go get blood, they they take like 40 vials off of me, and uh, I feel like
5: they're vampires selling it. Uh, you know, they've been tricking you. They just really uh. Let I'm
2: literally know. selling your blood <laughs> yeah. to vampires. Yeah. I knew there was fucking vampires. I knew they were real. You heard it here first. These guys there's, said there's vampires.
5: There's something called parabiosis. I was just on a panel yesterday with a guy. there a startup company that's trying to do something called parabiosis. Have you heard of this? No. You take uh, take blood. There, there were mouse experiments done in 2011 where you put like, like an old mouse and a young mouse, transfuse basically the blood from the young mouse into the old mouse and vice versa, and like all the aging markers would kind of switch over. So it was literal vampirism. And then uh, there's a bunch of people in Silicon Valley who wanted to start a company on this. And so. Joel, I was just on the panel at the Carlisle event. He was the guy who yeah. spoke right after me was the co-founder for the parabiosis company. Yeah.
1: So he pitched yeah. it at Burning Man, I imagine.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, actually the room he was pitching it to was like the median age was about 85 because everyone <laughs> there wanted to be forever. But they
1: were so, all especially. there with their 25-year-old girlfriends, I hope.
4: <laughs> yeah. And they just, they're just they like, uh, where can I get a tube to start? Uh, yeah,
1: they're like, ah, uh, I got this 25-year-old up. girl.
4: Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a, By the way, there's a hilarious episode of the, the HBO show, Silicon Valley where they talk about this parabiosis and one of the uh, rich dudes has his little, has a blood boy that he drags around with him. It's, it's friggin' hilarious.
5: Oh (laughs) yeah. uh, So we're, you know, which, so, I mean, they're framing the company to be, you know, something innocuous, like we're going to find the molecules that make this happen, but you know, people have been looking for these for a long time, but they, uh, you know, you know, there's certainly, there's something, I mean the same thing you think about like an oocyte, you know, you can take like a skin cell from your arm and you can take the nucleus out, which has your DNA and you put it inside of an egg. That has had its nucleus taken out, and that's how you can do a like, cloning, basically. Right? So you can you can take a you know a somatic cell or something that's already programmed it's just being your skin, put it into an egg, and it gets completely reprogrammed. So it's, we already know in biology these amazing examples where you can go from age like you know 50 to basically zero if you put it in the right environment. But you know mm-hmm. we can't just like grind up a bunch of uh, u- uva and like you know spray them on people's face. It's more complicated than that. So. Uh,
1: Uh, don't they have a deal where they're taking uh, exomes from like healthy people and injecting them into unhealthy people? Have you seen this? Oh,
5: exosomes? Yeah. 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 They might, I mean, I haven't heard of it, but I mean, people are injecting themselves with all kinds of things. uh, Uh, Yeah.
1: No. uh, 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 Yeah. No. I I mean, I was reading that they were able to like actually do like systemic and also like localized injections uh, into the marrow from healthy, like somehow harvesting. And as I was getting into it, I'm like, anytime I hear the word harvest, it takes me and back marrow. to when uh, yeah, I, yeah. I did, um, uh, what was it? It was like a bone marrow, uh, like, kind of like early stem cell. I went and saw this doctor, Parita, uh, after I had knee surgery. And he was like, hey, we're going to aspirate your hip, and we're going to spin it down, and we're going to put this stuff back in your knee. And so uh, he made it sound very, very simple. And then I get on the operating table, and like, they lay me down, they injected me, and then all of a sudden, I like, kind of glance over my shoulder, and the dude pulls out a box, and he's got like a stake and a fucking yeah. hammer. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! And he's like, well, I got to break through your fucking uh, the bone in your hip to uh, uh, to to extract the marrow. And I was like, you didn't fucking tell me. And the dude, and then the dude starts beating on me. And uh, he's like, oh, your uh, uh, the bones in your hip are really thick. I'm gonna have to get a little more leverage. And he just fucking finally pounded through on this thing. And I'm like, if you had told me when I walked in what was going to happen, no fucking way would I have let this guy stake me like a vampire.
5: Oh, yeah. The word informed was missing from that informed consent right there, I think.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to, like, aspirate your hip.
0: And, yeah, uh, right, right. yeah it, it's fine
1: uh, Define aspirate. Uh, but, it, like, yeah, right. I, like, I mean, think about aspirate. Like, you yeah. know, they aspirate a joint. They usually spray water in it. Like, I was just thinking, like, oh, like, it's like aspirating a wound. Like, I didn't think the guy would stake me like a fucking vampire. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, ever since then, now, whenever I go in, like, there's anything, I'm always like, okay, explain to me exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. So it just kind of like my spider sensor, it's going off now.
5: Good. it's a, it's appropriate it's good um yeah so where do you want to start i guess you want to i don't know if any of the stuff we just did is going to be on the podcast some of it's good material maybe yeah I'll probably um, we'll figure out a way we to
1: hit uh, we hit record from jump street yeah I mean, so uh, right. it's, yeah whatever is helps. kind of a
2: natural flow and then our listeners are used yeah. to just like getting dropped blabbing in. on and on and on and, and on and on and on and on and on but um why don't we just start with an intro to y'all Great. So, sure. I don't know, Chris, Joel, who, you guys sort it out. Fight it to the death. Whoever wins goes first.
5: Yeah, Chris, go for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. And Joel's taller, so I'm, I'm shorter, so I'm sneakier. So I'll sneak up. Yeah. Here. yeah. So, um, so, hi. Well, hello, listeners. i Chris Mason. I'm a faculty at Wild Cornell Medicine, a professor that has a laboratory here in genetics and computational biology, and also looking at what's called uh, metagenomics. So, looking at how The body changes across all different types of DNA, so microbial, viral, fungal, human, really any kind of molecule we can get our hands on and we want to use to trace what's happening for anything from clinical patients here, for example, cancer patients that we monitor uh, longitudinally, uh, as well as uh, infectious disease, uh, uh, people with unculturable or unknown and mysterious uh, infections, to uh, new algorithms and methods for analyzing those kind of data and building new technologies. And then... The last part of the laboratory we work on is dealing with space genetics. So we just looked at the Mark and Scott Kelly, the astronauts who are up in space, to see what happens to the body in very extreme environments. Like we look at people at Mount Everest. Uh, we started looking at, more recently, a lot more athletes. And then also, of course, uh, astronauts and what happens when they go in space. That's my personal background. Uh, PhDs in genetics, uh, postdoctoral workers in genetics. My background's all in genetics and intellectual property. Some work at Yale Law School. But now I'm just a really uh, super dorky genetist with the lab. And I met Joel uh, basically about seven, eight years ago. And we've been chatting about some of these ideas for a long time, about ways to think about monitoring people and, and building better molecular maps of human beings and, and, and optimizing it. To, and uh, we started chatting about longevity about two years ago. And I'll let Joe also tell his side of the story. But sort of thinking about this and said, you know, there's many ways we're using in the clinic to measure and monitor and even modify people during therapies. But we'd like, you know, and again, we're doing it also for NASA astronauts. But it'd be great if some of these technologies and these methods could be more broadly applied you know I, th- I think everyone should be able to feel like they're treated like an astronaut or at least have access to the same technology and have a democratization of some of the cutting-edge genetics tools and so we am uh, a co-founder of longevity with Joel and also uh, Paul Jacobson and we wanted to build a company that would really uh, open up some of the best-in-class methods for genomics and computational modeling uh, and health and wellness to everybody and so that's that's me nutso
4: yeah, so hey everyone, uh, Joel Dudley, uh, co-founder of uh, Onegevity uh, along with Chris. Uh, I'm also a pr- professor of uh, genetic and genomic sciences and I'll qualify that as a terrestrial genetics. Uh, now we have to start to make that distinction. I'm a terrestrial geneticist. Um, <laughs> I mean, not extraterrestrial like like Chris, so it's way less cooler than. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, I mean, but, we, uh,
1: we know it's kind of a facade because um, you know there's yeah. a couple flat Earthers at this table, so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> you do. <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is
4: about to be real awkward then. But uh, no, so the, uh, yeah, so just briefly, uh, my research uh, has always been uh, about using molecules, uh, electronic health records, uh, wearables, whatever piece of information we can get our hands on to, to better understand disease, make the world a healthier place. As Chris mentioned, a lot of the research has been focused in the area that is, you know, I think more widely known as precision medicine like, how do we more personalize, more target? Uh, uh, better understand disease at a fine grained level. While we've been doing that for cancer, we've been doing it for things like Alzheimer's and uh, autoimmune disease. Chris and I have always thought that the ultimate goal was how do we take the powerful, you know, technology of precision medicine and put it in the hands of consumers so they can focus on prevention. So that was really the the genesis of of longevity. So how do we become sort of the best precision prevention company with the you know the best science backing you know possible.
2: Yeah, and we we ran across um uh, we're tied in with Thorne and we you know we work with those guys and we're customers of them uh and they've supported our symposium the past few years but um uh, mm-hmm. i think president of Thorne Will McCanny, is who mm-hmm. we were chatting with at yep. Summerstrong uh huh. And mm-hmm. uh, you know that's where we were first in, and that was when was that? Like, this year, May, was yeah. That? And May that's 20, where we were back in May introduced the concept of longevity, right? And like uh, we're like we got to get down on this. So
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's we picked uh, up
2: three of y'all's kits and we pooped on a little spoon and wiped yeah. it in a little canister and sent it in. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. saved some of my sample, <laughs> obviously, in the freezer as right? a souvenir.
5: Did you put it in the freezer and call it meatloaf on top of it? Or
1: what did you do with it? No, he, you know, he really liked that taste. It was just. No, no.
2: Every. So every time I go and uh, there's a local coffee shop here, Mazama. And every time I go to this coffee shop and I pick up my colleagues coffees, I take a little bit of that poop and Mm. I drop it right in their coffees. Just so they are, a part of me is always with them. Um, know? My God. I knew yeah, it we,
1: tasted really feminine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks, John. I think feminine poop is a compliment.
1: Thank yeah. you. Well, I mean, we saw from your longevity that your estrogen levels are through the roof. So yeah.
2: that is not true. But it, well, I mean, it either
1: is or isn't true. It's but weird because you're lactating.
2: <laughs> well, I hear a baby crying.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you? I'm sure you guys yeah. know about this. Uh, did you see the deal? I, they only do it in Japan. But I guess women listen to crying babies as a way to increase breast size. Nice, and, uh, oh, nice. Uh, that. Uh, it was that. Uh, um i had never heard of it and then we were in my japan pecs are getting bigger and my uh <laughs> like i forgot how it, it came up but one of my buddies was like dude this is a real thing here and they go to these places and like listen to this uh various sounds of crying babies to help increase breast size and i was like
4: uh, I, I, I feel japan. like you've re- you really stolen our thunder on our uh okay. christmas uh uh, exactly. to, to give, give the gift of a fecal microbiome transplant. You know?
1: really, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, for the know, fecal know, so bio, uh, You, kind of, you uh, kind of
4: stole
5: our thunder there.
1: For the fecal yeah. transplant, don't you have to do it like anally, like suppository style for it to it work? It can go
5: either way. So you can do uh, orally, or you can do suppository. Uh, they they both can be effective, actually. It's usually done uh, on the back end, so it's a suppository. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it either way. So you think about what does it taste like when it goes down as a, I guess for everyone in the audience, like a fecal microbiome transplant is exactly what it sounds like. We're going to take something that's in the feces and transplanted for a therapeutic purpose is uh it's interesting historically that's what it was called you know clinically in the 90s and then it could have been called anything if you think about it, it could have been called like gut medicine or microbiome therapy but it ended up being fecal microbiome transplant which is about yeah. as gross as it could possibly sound yeah what's, uh, the, what's
3: the story on the first ever
1: idea concept of uh you know uh fecal actually And these guys probably know the history way better but i mean didn't they talk about it a hundred years ago um, I know that technology was pretty old.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah. Like said, ahead, yeah some of the very first, like the very first big studies were in the 90s, but even then they were all pretty roundly mocked. Like, this is just a too crazy of an idea. Also, it was hard to guarantee you know, what what we are actually giving someone. It was on the back end of sort of the AIDS epidemic where people realized that you know a lot of large stocks of public blood supplies were contaminated. And people had a lot, a real, a lot more concern about giving something where you couldn't completely catalog what you're giving someone else. Uh, like blood, in this case stool. So there, there was one patient who died of an FMT uh, just uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago. And so it can happen. It's like any therapy, any any, any procedure, there's always going to be a risk. Uh, but writ large, you know, you know, there's been millions of FMTs at this point, and, and very rarely is compl- does anyone die. There's rare complications. Uh, but the first one, I guess the first one's clinically, I know, in the 90s, but the very first ever one. I'm not sure who gets credit for the first ever idea of like, wait, I've got an idea. I've <laughs> got stool, you've got stool. I, I, Mine is better. Let me I swear
1: it. that there was like a medical journal or something that uh, uh, Dr. Tom ended up showing me that it was like from like around the turn of the century where they were doing something similar, taking like fecal matter from healthy people and, and, and having unhealthy people ingest it. And I just I,
2: imagine it's like, have you ever seen... Um, like a cake maker do like the patterns with that cake squeeze
1: uh, thing? Isn't that how they do um, artificial insemination, like the turkey baster? <laughs> you see, that's your turkey baster oh. guy.
2: I'm talking about you get a bag
5: the frosting
1: and you poop in it so the best, and then you cut it the best just part about corner this, out of the
2: bag and you squeeze it in the dude the, the best old, part uh, is these guys are like fucking teaching
1: professors uh phds <laughs> uh like literally like the cutting edge of like uh you know microbiome and here and we are talking shit, about poop frosting and, and he's over here trying to make poop frosting and these dudes are fucking dying they're like these guys yeah yeah idiot.
2: well that's yeah. how i would have done it if i were a hundred
1: <laughs> dessert at friendsgiving
0: <laughs>
2: uh-huh okay got <laughs> it chocolate frosting for you big guy
4: yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the whole process is, uh, even when people are doing it professionally, it really is, you have to homogenize it and you know, it's really, it's KitchenAid, you know, that's how they're doing it. You know, they're not, <laughs>
0: it's, <laughs> not, not science-y. it's
4: not uh, yeah, huh. nothing uh, sophisticated. And I'll, I'll just add, you know, this actually goes back to, to nature too. I think there's observations like, um, I think it's baby elephants when baby elephants are born. Like the first thing they'll do is they'll go find a steamy pile of uh, mom's poop and, and chow down. Oh, wow. To feed uh, to uh, uh, the, the microbiome.
5: Yeah. yeah the same with termites. Like termites can't natively digest cellulose, like in the walls of the wood in your house. They have to get it from the microbiome of their mother. So they also actually uh, do a microbiome transplant right at birth, baby termites, to get basically the enzymes that will break down uh, the cellulose or cellulase. Mm. And yeah, so, but it actually there's a lot of because Joel just said there's a great uh, precedent for an in nature. And uh, not, you know, not as much as a thief material in coffee, but if you had a great microbiome, you could argue you're doing them a favor and saying, listen, I've got an amazingly powerful microbiome. I'm doing you guys a favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. I, I keep
1: going is gonna back to This going to be an to interesting this, no, conversation with Ashley no, tonight about I, how we raise our daughter. I keep going back to this thing, and it was pretty interesting. Like, um, you guys are, you know, similar age to me. So, like, you remember life before the Internet and uh mm-hmm. i just you know things happen but i i like all of a sudden a couple years ago like uh i saw a bumper sticker that this dude had in his car that was like i eat ass and i was like <laughs> i was like that dude put that on a bumper sticker and then i started seeing it as like a social thing where like people were coming forward and being like oh i eat ass, like as they were going through it And i just remember like man He's when did this bad. really become a thing like maybe if it happened you didn't really fucking fess up to it but like who knows and now these people are like wearing it like a badge of honor and maybe they're just yeah. ahead of the fucking curve
5: well, they, what did that mean? So the very first ever one was in 1958 was, was Iceman. So like, but the first big, big clinical trial was in the nineties where it showed like you can actually treat C. diff. And so the, the biggest thing is if you can actually show that you don't have any pathogens, you've got generally healthy ecosystem. Well, you the reason you have to homogenize it, you're not just transplanting one, two or five, or even 10 species. It's like a whole ecosystem you're giving to someone. And, and so you need to, you give them the whole, whole thing. So it's a
1: is it, uh, is it a situation like I mean I like I imagine you're giving them a whole new ecosystem, but uh, how does that compete for their ecosystem? Like, or is, is there so broken that it just instantly takes like an order of magnitude better? Like the healthy just goes in and kills it, or is there like a I mean obviously a mixing? I'm just wondering like do we have like a, I don't know fucking beyond Thunderdome entering of like you know two <laughs> yeah. different gut biomes, one you know you know two enter one leaves.
4: Yeah, yeah it's uh well you know it's all about dysbiosis right so it's it's, there's a hierarchy there's a balance and uh when you have a dysbiosis like in c diff the balance has shifted too much to uh so it's maybe more a star wars than than uh thunderdome i don't know and dark side side, and you gotta shift it back you know to to neutral at least so uh that's really what it's about
1: you know i I kicked you guys over an email um you know i uh, i'm uh, as a former NFL player, you know, I get bombarded by all this stuff with the NFL and like uh, there's this really weird kind of I, I think it's like a veiled attempt by the NFL to like, hey, let's figure out what's affecting these players when we know it exa- exactly what's affecting these players. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the combination of, you know, uh, big hits to the head, um, yeah. you know, mixed with, you know, a bunch of opiates and pharmaceuticals and everything else. You know has you know resulted in a lot of guys having a lot of traumatic brain issues and um, you know there 's a reason that dudes are shooting themselves in the chest to donate their brains because something is wrong they don 't know how to one identify it or deal with it. And uh, I've always thought that, you know, hey, if um, all this stuff works through fixing immune function, if you can remove things from the gut and make the, you know, uh, the gut the healthiest and specifically Mm -hmm. the small intestine, then it basically ramps up your immune system and you become Wolverine. I mean, that was always my thought was like, how did Wolverine heal so fast? He's had a hyper, uh, uh, you know, um, I guess you could say like a hyper jumped immune system where he could just recover within seconds. So that was always kind of my approach. And when we saw that, I I forwarded you guys that that study that came out where they observed changes within the gut biome from people Mm -hmm. that had taken big hits to the head. And my thing and why I kicked you guys over to um, the NFL and the Harvard study and all that was like, you guys have the ability to do the testing, look at almost like a pre-baseline and get like a whole bunch of samples from these guys and then be able to, you know, with as easy as your test is, you could test these guys every single week and like with a few thousand people, if we had, you know, 16, 17 weeks of training pre and post and then guys, you know, this guy, you know, and I'm sure there's an algorithm that could be written to kind of track it all. um, It seems like something that would be very easy to say, hey, you know what, Uh, you know, from week to week, assuming everything is constant, which it never is, but, like, right. if all of a sudden you see one thing shoot up and be like, oh, man, this guy had a problem, now you could all of a sudden start foreseeing these problems and, you know, all of a sudden be able to do some, I guess, interventions to prevent guys from, you know, all of a sudden mm-hmm. 20 years later putting a gun and killing themselves and then getting the yeah. CTE stuff because their whole deal is, like, there's no way to um, preemptively strike it or, you know, identify it ahead of time, which I don't believe. I just think they were looking in the wrong ways.
4: Yeah, I, I think it's pretty timely because... uh you know, people have always obviously suspected there's been connections between the brain and the gut. And, uh, but now uh, in the last couple of years, we're getting uh, really locked in on the mechanisms of how the brain and the gut are connected. Uh, and we know we have a vagus nerve. Uh, the vagus nerve is a very important nerve that is a conduit uh, between the, the brain and the stomach. The stomach has glial cells uh, in it, you know, which are, are the brain is full of these glial cells. So there's, you know, there's always been a you know, talk about the brain and gut being connected, the, the more we know about the vagus nerve, we, we have a mechanistic sort of conduit. But even more recently in uh, Parkinson's disease, for example, there's been some pretty interesting papers uh, suggesting, I don't think proving yet, suggesting that this molecule called alpha-synuclein can originate in the uh, appendix and then actually translocate up the vagus nerve into the brain to cause uh, Parkinson's disease. Um, but, but I think either way, there is there does appear to be a push-pull uh, sort of between the the brain and the gut. Um, so it's pretty timely. So if if the gut could act as a sentinel, for the brain, it's obviously a much easier thing to measure than, uh, than a spinal tap. Right. So, or something like that.
1: Well then, yeah. uh, but, but then if you look at like the, uh, you know, well, I'll use the word plethora of drugs that, uh, are administered to NFL players from everything from like anti-inflammatories to, you know, opiates to, you know, tortle shots. And you kind of go through and there's kind of a list of things that they use to manage the guys. I mean, every one of those has some effect within, you know, that gut, deal yep. and you know changing the gut biome so i always mm-hmm. wonder if like all of a sudden you start you know and i'm sure it's a, a cumulative effect of like putting these drugs in the system mixing that with you know hits that you know and whatever and then also you know who knows what guys are eating i mean i would have a feeling and i was telling these guys the other day the amount of guys that just ate fucking chicken mcnuggets and drank cokes yeah. and did anything because it didn't affect them um, i remember guys coming in and they would always uh the crispy cream people would bring boxes of crispy creams on fridays and dudes would like eat a whole box. And I remember watching dudes crush a whole box. And I'm like, you're gonna eat a whole box of Krispy creams Yeah. I'm still lean. Yeah. I don't care. And I yeah, just remember yeah. thinking like, fuck, that's a lot of sugar, man. Like,
5: yeah.
1: like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and as you guys know, I mean, all of these factors are, you know, interrelated in affecting this in mm-hmm. probably a negative way. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Hey, now I'm going to go beat my head into the wall for three hours, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? So um, hopefully that email finds itself into somebody that's willing to, Actually, want to do something because I think a lot of times with the NFL, they want to like almost put out this facade of like, "Hey, we're doing something," but I don't think they really want to know.
5: Right. Which yeah. well, it, it's it's compelling. I mean, there, as joe was just saying, is the connection like about ninety percent of all the serotonin is actually made in your gut. If you look at where, where is all the neurotransmitters, where do they exist in your body? Uh, at least for serotonin, about the majority of them are in your gut. A lot of um, uh, other neurotransmitters are there, fifty percent, twenty percent, because there's so many. Your, your gut is so innervated. There's actually so so much uh, biology there, just on um, really the biochemistry of, of, of neural communication. And so I think, like, when you bring up the idea of like, could the microbiome influence, uh, you know, what's happening for head injuries in the NFL? Any of the study, the studies you sent over, like, I, the biggest problem we're going to have is that you're going to have five or ten or twenty or even hundred people. It's very easy to see little associations that kind of pop up, but. To know it for sure, we need you know really we need the buy-in from the NFL Let's say we want to monitor people for like ten years. Yeah. We want to do it for everyone. We don't want to run a sample set of like twenty people because you you'll always find interesting trends that are enough for a cocktail party, but to really have a definitive clinical sort of path and possible intervention, you need like the the statistical power in it. And to some degree, that's I'm yeah, I'm, like
1: that. I'm still. Uh, um, it's funny. I called one of my former teammates, Cal uh, Turley, yesterday because he's uh, he's real big in the CBD. Uh, space out in California, and um, he's been talking to the NFL about them freeing up the regulations on CBD as like an alternate for a lot of these, you know, different Mm -hmm. opiates and whatnot. And uh, so I talked to him yesterday about it, and I was like, you know what, like, is there a way to piggyback some of this, like, gut biome testing? And uh, these guys that I know that we're going to have on podcast today have what I've seen to be probably the most cutting edge um, technology that, you know, really is out there right now and the ability to collect it in an easy way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just light years ahead. I'm like, dude, it'd be incredible if, uh, we could actually, you know, be able to somehow get this thing in and I'm going to talk to him again about it. But I'm like, I, you know, I just, um, for me personally, having done the job and I was talking to my brother recently about this, he's like, you know, uh, how long did it take you before you started feeling like normal, normal again? And I was like, man, like it's, uh, it's taken me seven or eight years post retirement yeah. to feel as sharp as I was in college. Like I'll go back and I'll read like the college papers I wrote and my thesis and all that. And uh, I was like, fuck, man, I was really smart. And I just remember, <laughs> like, I mean, shit, man, I went to Berkeley, like I was like really humming. And then all of a sudden I went to the NFL and I kind of felt like uh, I was in a brain fog for a bunch of years. And then yeah. after I retired, it took me like, I mean, I did ketogenic diets. I mean, we did just everything we could attempt, and it took five, six, seven years to all of a sudden start like coming back to where I felt like that sharp where, you know, not only could I remember information, but I could sit down and read for extended periods of time and retain stuff and just like the speed at which things came back. And I remember there was a moment where all of a sudden, and it's so ironic, I talked to my brother about this yesterday and, uh, he's like, you know, uh, I noticed it. He's like, I just thought you were kind of fucking dumb for a couple of years. <laughs> and my brother's super sharp. I mean, he's a defense attorney and like, you know, uh, like does all these high end murder stuff. I mean, he's, you know, one of the tops in uh, California. And he's like, you know, uh, it's nice to feel like you finally have, you know, reeled you back in a little bit. And um, he's Mm -hmm. like, man, because for a while there, like, you know, I mean, you, you know, you grow up with somebody, you know, your whole life and all of a sudden these things change. And so for me personally, um, a lot of guys don't make it back. Like that's the thing that I've run into a lot of ex-players and a lot of guys where you're mm-hmm. like, man, like this dude's drifting out somewhere and doesn't know how. And I, I just went to the Hall of Fame deal and ran into a lot of ex-players and talked to guys. And like, you know, I was like, uh, you know, not staying in good shape. I mean, you know, not cleaning up the diet, doing you know too many of these things. And I'm like, man, I think it's a cumulative effect. Like, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's definitely some really interesting research that talks about excess adipose tissue for affecting the gut and, you know, mm-hmm. went through all these different things. And I'm like, I think you got to stay in shape. You got to continue to train. I mean, exercise, sleep, and went through it. But I think having something like the testing, like a baseline to be like, hey, this is what it looked like before, and this is you mm-hmm. at the end. Now we have to put all these strategies together to get you back to this. Because I think that's where you guys come in in the switched on part is like, you know, making some uh, recommendations or corrections to try to get people back to what we assume the baseline is. Because the yeah. cognitive testing for a lot of guys, I don't think is really, you know, very good. I mean, what a, a like yeah. test, a scan, whatever. But we know over time, um, you know, when I went to, I was in the Amon study and it was, um, it was pretty interesting The part of my brain that was damaged was right here on the left. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they sat me down and I went through all this cognitive deal and they were like, you know, the part of your brain that's damaged is on the left side and it deals, you know, with some emotion. And they kind of went through this, you know, cortex deal. And, uh, but they put me through testing and they were like, but on the other side, you were also the smartest dude we'd ever tested and had the highest yeah. scores and everything. For like, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the IQ and the mental and all this other stuff, but this part of your brain. And I was like, okay, you said I'm smart. fucking, I'm out of here. So I, I just, uh, it yeah. didn't, uh, like, I don't know what that looked like beforehand. Maybe that part had always been turned off. Like who knows? Yeah. So yeah. what I'm trying to get at is having some baselining that's actually meaningful instead of just the scan looks fine, you know? Right.
5: Well, and something more quantitative, like even for the for the twin study, for the astronaut studies, like we don't just have cognitive tests. There kind of a few tests. It's a ten point ten test system, but measures speed and accuracy. That it you know, deals with abstract uh, ideas, uh, calculation, sort of recognition, pattern recognition, a uh, feature. So, if you do something comprehensive, you can see the changes uh, over time. And so I think, yeah, I don't know what's what's being done now for the NFL, but you know I think. Well, like one of the big philosophies at longevity is the more you measure over time, the you give them so much more power to see is something trending in a good or bad way and build like a vector for your entire sort of biology. And, and, but without the data, you can't tell. Even, even with two time points, you can kind of just begin to make a guess. But the more, more data is definitely more power.
1: Well, when, when we were talking earlier, I mean, it's what we talked about, about, um, you know, hey, if I get this test, this is my one snapshot in time and while mm-hmm. that might tell us something you know it doesn't tell us nearly as much as like hey i have these series of snapshots over 10 years and i can see like what how the trend changes you right. know which i i think um you know having something that's uh, easy to get, gets mailed to you, easy to you know do, so it's not like a three-day stool test, which I've done, where you're yeah. like over there with like a Ginsu knife on your poop trying yeah. to do this, and yeah. you're storing it, and you're mixing, you know, it's just, it becomes cumbersome. So the ability to wow. do it, one, I mean, I, I would love to, you know, for the longevity to be able to like have like two collection, you know, pieces where, yeah. you know, I got to collect it like in the morning on like one day, and then the second day in the exact same time. And, uh, you know, so there was a two-day deal, but I think, you know, that just increases complexity and just getting one is better than none.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, well, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're working on that front too, to make it easier. I think it's uh, um, because a lot of the micro a lot of the testing companies are very clinical, so they don't, you know, sort of focus on user experience as much because <laughs> uh, they're not quite direct to consumer companies. So one of the things we've patented and are developing is a, a wipe technology, actually basically think of it like a wet wipe. Right, that can be used for microbiome collection. So there's a lot of complexities that go into that. You know we can't just take an off-the-shelf wet wipe, we got to preserve the DNA. Sure. We got to make sure the chemicals that are preserving the DNA are safe for human skin contact. We have to, you know think about what happens to that wipe once it makes it to the lab and how do we extract that in a scalable way. so but but, uh, yeah, we can at least mention, uh, we don't have an exact timeline for it yet, but, but we're hoping that wipe technology will really enable this longitudinal, uh, sort of
1: microbiome collection. Man. So why don't
2: we introduce the listeners oh. a little bit to the process? Yeah. Because yeah. It, yeah, no, people I'm, are going to be interested in want well, they like, how the
1: fuck does this Yeah, work? no, it's super cool. As you were talking about the wipe, all I could think of was, um, like front ba- to back or back to front. No, I was thinking babies. <laughs> front, <border laughs> fold? I, I was thinking as a baby, uh, like, you know, like, you know, like, uh, you know, my daughter uh my twins were born c-section because they were both breech, mm-hmm. and yep. so all of a sudden you bring them you know they don't have the opportunity to go through the birth canal and that helps set a bunch of the um you know gut biome stuff so now like for those kids and they've gone and i've read like like for every piece of research you read something there's something else conflicting it so it gets to be mm-hmm. as you guys i mean you guys know more than i do um how that goes uh but i just read extensively on like oh you know this clean environment how do you repopulate the gut And this and then other people said it didn't matter and other people are like oh it, you know we did this study and it shows all these you know problems that go out 50 60 years but i think being able to like uh be able to check with your kids i mean what an incredible way if you could be able to you know do something simple and check the gut biome right. and be able to get information from them um you know so all of a sudden as problems become more veiled uh you know because we're dealing right now with uh we're right in the middle of um Uh, neuroblastoma so our uh, 501c uh 501c3 uh, federally you know registered charity so we raise money nonprofit for uh wade's army which is our neuroblastoma charity and as you guys Mm -hmm. know neuroblastoma is like the you know largest killer of of kids for pediatric cancer and it's relatively unknown and unfunded and you know we've raised you know we're shooting for you know the last six seven years we've raised close to a million dollars to help the families and research and all this and every time we look at these research studies i'm like these are just drug studies like like there's nothing for detection there's nothing in this way it's just you know we're looking at two failed drugs and now they want to mix them and do another study and i'm like dude like the the paradigm is broken on this cancer thing and i always thought if uh we could you know do some some more testing on the kids in terms of like you know gut biome or whatever it looks like maybe we could start to try to like uh have a preempted strike like they just came out the other day with a deal where now they can do a test to see if they if uh um, like an early warning for, for neuroblastoma. And we just read about mm. that. I'm like, why aren't we putting our money into that? So yeah. that's kind well,
5: of, well, awesome. actually some of the work that uh, came out of Joel's lab was really exciting. I think, like, think rethinking disease in other ways, like is uh, like, we these are like a lot of microbiome or let's say the metagenome earlier is that all kingdoms of life are, we're all interacting like viruses and bacteria and fungi in us and on us and all around us. And some of the work that Joel just published at last year was in the New York Times was, and also on, on in neuron, a really prestigious journal, was thinking about like what he was like, he used to tell the story, Joel, but like finding herpes yeah. in brains. And normally you wouldn't think it's in the brain, like the brain's not supposed to have microbiome, right? But it can, you know, give you, it looks like it's a risk factor for sure for Alzheimer's. Joel tell yeah, yeah, no, it's just yeah. sure. like to, without, without bias around the body and in a different places over time, like what leads to neuroblastoma. It maybe it was something early on in life, but, but until you start to track people and start to look, you don't, you might not
1: know what you're finding. No, I mean, we, you know, we've been, uh, I've been trying to find studies for us to fund uh, based on some nutritional inter- interventions um, because, you know, like the, you know, or even figuring out what like the, you know, as they put these kids through the, the chemo, um, the amount of uh, chemo that they're pushing on these kids is like an adult dose. So exactly. they're, they're so destroyed by the time this about a chemo that their immune system is ill. Whereas if it r- r- comes back, it's a hundred percent killing them. And so like my mm-hmm. whole deal is like, well, how come we haven't done some testing to figure out what like the, uh, maximal return for the least amount of dose. And they're like, well, we don't have time for that. I'm like, well, all the kids are dying anyway. Like, why don't we take yeah, the yeah. time? And yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, it, it just, I mean, like it's, uh, it's so frustrating and, for us, um, you know, to see these parents like putting all their hopes and dreams into like, you know, prayers into like, you know, hey, there, there's another drug study. And I'm like, fuck, I researched it. I'm like, both of these drugs have proved not to work. Now you're going to run another study trying to combine them. I was like, yeah. why are we sinking our money into this sinking ship? Like, why don't we find new ways to like look at this thing? And like we couldn't even get anybody to fund a study on nutritional intervention because they're like, ah, nutrition has no part in this. And I'm like, how does that even make sense to me? So
4: Yeah, yeah. There's just you know, there's not uh, there's not funding on the pharma side. There's not funding on the NIH side, really, for for this type of thing. Um, we are at longevity in discussions with a uh, with a pretty well known medical center. <laughs> we'll be able to announce at some point to do uh, um, at po- post uh, breast cancer survivors and looking at sort of doing the full microbiome, the blood, uh, everything, and to really look at it, are there sort of precision you know, nutrition or other types of interventions that could be given to these survivors to maintain, well, one, as you mentioned, to rebuild their bodies after chemotherapy, and then two, to obviously the the long-term goal would be to sustain, you know, remission as as long as possible and sort of establish that. So, um, it's, it's woefully understudied, but, uh, it's an area we're, we're super interested
1: in. Well, if you guys come across any research on neuroblastoma or anything that looks interesting, um, Please, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll be in contact, but like uh, uh, reach out to us, man, because it is uh, like very few things have like kicked me as bad as this thing, like seeing these families. And then like we we've uh, supported all these families and we have what's where we call our Wade's warriors. And um, then we get like emails that they die. And you're like, yeah. fuck, man, like, so it's, yeah. uh, and like we, you know, my wife and I, and like, and Heather, uh, DeBrun, whose little boy Wade is who it's named after, who was a twin and I have twins. So it's a big deal. But like all these guys, same thing, man. Like it's, um, like uh, we have to do better, you know?
4: Yeah. 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 I worked, I worked on medulloblastoma when I was in uh, grad school and, uh, I'll never forget seeing the CT scans of these little heads, man. It was the worst part of, uh, of the whole thing. It was, ho- it was horrible with the big tumors. So yeah, I'm with you.
1: All right. Well, uh, cool. let's get into like actually like the longevity kits. So uh, wow. little, a little killer white box shows up that's got like some cool branding on it and longevity. And you pop it open and it has like what looks like a little tiny spoon.
2: If you were to yeah. ask for a sample of ice cream at like Baskin Robbins, yeah, uh, pretty much.
1: for <laughs> a mouse, right? Yeah, like <laughs> it's tiny. Mousekin Robbins, yeah, Mousekin Robbins, and, and then what uh, happens? Um, they give you a little collection. You go through and you scoop the poop up.
2: But you forgot the the toilet teepee thing. Oh,
1: that is actually the uh, smartest thing that I've mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, the safety net.
5: Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's uh, like you're shooting it through the uprights, basically, uh,
1: dude. It's genius because uh, all the other ones I've done basically give you like a uh, like a Frito bowl, like you get chili in, and you got to like kind of like you know. Position it underneath there and then poop in the chili bowl, which, you know, uh, allows for a little bit of precision. And then, you know, you're like, oh, man, I don't want to get this on me.
2: I'm kind of a long range guy. So, uh, you know, standing up. Uh Yeah, you stand up on the seat, (laughs) one leg up on the toilet paper roll holder, and then you just go for gravity.
1: (laughs) So and then yeah, yeah. text
2: taught me oh, it geez.
1: beats the urinal.
2: You spotted uh, me for
1: years. Uh, and, then, and then you scoop it into uh, the little plastic deal. Shake it up yeah, like a little test tube deal. Yeah, a little test tube. Shake that sucker up. Shake, shake it up and then uh, wrap Seal it, up it up and ship it out. And ship it out. Super simple.
5: Did you use any uh, music, uh, like theme music, during the uh, experience?
1: Yeah, "Highway to the Danger" song. It's really what we just play on repeat. <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift, "Shake It Up." hey Heyo,
2: uh, that "Shake It Like a Polaroid Picture" song.
5: Yeah, Outcast. I, I Outcast? don't even know what that
3: is. <laughs> you know what that is? Outcast. Uh, I do like Outcast. Two Circuit Two Thousand Four. Yeah, uh, bombs over way. Baghdad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably wonderful. that same
1: album. Yeah, I play it all the time. Mm-hmm.
4: So yeah, well, well, as you know, you don't need to fill that that tube up that much Mm -hmm. uh but but we 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 always get overachievers (laughs) yes the the problem we get on the back end lab is there's there's that a that a plus student you know that uh feels (laughs) like they got to fill it right up to the brim Yep, and uh there's you know they're they're out there and 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 we get their samples so uh, public service announcement it doesn't have to be overflowing
1: i uh i tried to pick up uh like i tried to go um because i remember from the other stool samples i've done they like want you to like pick from different parts so like you're kind of like yeah. looking at it. I'm like a little bit from there, a little bit. Just like make an ice yeah. cream, you know, yeah. like a, a triple scoop. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And so like full, like just I guess disclaimer. The kit did sit on my counter because I'm like, what the fuck am I getting into? You know, like there was just <laughs> kind of like this little barrier of like, do I have to palm it? Like I had no clue what I was getting into. No, it was, but well it was like out. honestly so painless and so simple. Uh, truthfully, Great. it's not like. That's just my, yeah. my personal experience with it, because I was expecting, like, I don't know what the fuck I was expecting.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now no, that, that you're a dad, though... Um, oh, poop like, is all over you. Yeah, yeah, no, well, I was laughing. He, uh you know, he's had a little girl, and I was like, we, he did this beforehand, and I was like, you should have waited until after you had the baby, because, uh, uh, like, I'd never been pooped on so many times in my life after <laughs> I had kids. Like, all of a sudden, they'd just be like, I'd be like, how did, how did this thing exploded on me? And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. as a parent, you just, like, wipe it off and go on with your day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. No, we've always talked about uh, you know what could be done in the uh, with, with parents since they're handling poop on a, on a daily basis. It's one of the you know easiest time to convince someone to, to collect poop. Uh, but uh, we're still we're still kicking around that idea, uh, what we could do there. Um, it's, a little, it's a different when you start testing on infants, uh, regulatory wise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine. Yeah,
1: no, I mean that's some of the stuff we run into with uh, the kids in neuroblastoma because you know yeah. now obviously you're treating kids. So, um, yeah. and then uh, obviously the, we may, and then the package goes to your house, and then you collect it and put it in your refrigerator. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Cool. No,
2: you but there's them. a like there is a little code with each kit, right? So you go on longevity.com create an account,
1: put
2: your put your code in, yeah. and then basically you get notified once once it, it lands. Once the muffin's done. Yeah. Right. Uh,
5: what did you see? And yeah, so you get a full report, maybe you should describe it. Because uh, what, what did you think? Can what you, what, do can you know? take
1: us through the process? I mean, I, I know we discussed it last time, but for the listeners, because um, I kind of geek, uh, geek out on this stuff, like uh, standard uh, three day uh, stool sample uses a certain technology and the technology that you guys are using is like orders of magnitude, uh, you know, better mm-hmm. or greater or yeah. just more advanced. And uh, if we just kind of go through that piece a little bit. I, th- I think that was super interesting.
5: Yeah, kind of what happens in, uh, in behind the scenes, under the hood, once it gets to the lab. So basically, it gets in, it gets the barcode, gets scanned, it gets checked to make sure it matches what's on the, the database when you enter it online. Uh, and then from there, the stool, you know, actually, as it's being shipped, it's preserved. All the DNA and the RNA is preserved. It's actually stable even up to at least 30 days at room temperature. So the DNA is stabilized. It's, you know, there's no big rush. You don't have to get the tube and, like, sprint over to the lab or something. It's, it's fine. Uh, you basically grab it, and then it's already been a little bit homogenized, but we do a bit more. That, that bead, there's like a metal bead in the tube you probably saw. Uh, then we get them onto a shaker and so beat it up a little bit more so it actually can uh, fragment it. So this way you don't have to worry too much. You, you want it, It's good to get a little bit of stool from each uh, part of the of the log of possibility, if you will. Uh, but you know, once it comes in, uh, we do homogenize it more to make sure we get a thorough mixture. And from there... Uh, yeah. the, uh,
4: we don't want to embarrass anyone on the air, but, you know, one of you three needs to chew better. That's all we're yeah, going to say. Yeah. That's me. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. It, so, it, was, it looked like it came from a rat yeah. with a bunch of yeah, carrots,
5: yeah. corn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: eats like a duck. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hope you call us out. Like, if, if I'm not chewing yeah. my food enough, please let me know. I mean, uh, Luke does just fucking <laughs> unhinge his jaw like me. a snake and just swallow yeah. a whole, But, I mean, hey, uh, if I, everybody needs to be able to chew yeah. their you know, digestion yeah. starts in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's not that problem. Anyway, Chris, go ahead.
5: No, it's yeah. <laughs> It's being, when you said digestion starts in the mouth, I immediately thought of that movie with Jeff Goldblum, The Fly. You know, and they can he uh, can put the acid on the food in front of them. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, flies start digestion out of their mouth, but that's unusual for humans." I get that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but uh, that is still one of the scariest. Like when I, I, I preach, saw yeah. that movie as a kid, oh, yeah. and dude, like when he had the hairs growing off, and they were like oh. the real coarse hairs. I, uh, I'm getting nauseated. Thinking uh, about that. I fucking was scared <laughs> yeah. to death of that movie as a kid for fucking like, like, uh, yeah. I saw it
5: recently on a plane. It's, it's held the test of time pretty well. It's, it's, uh, it's still so, scary.
1: You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah.
5: So, um, but again, so uh, once you're doing the digestion, if you will, it's, so it's mechanical digestion. You're breaking apart that way. We also add some enzymes to break up the mixture. Then we pull out all the DNA, all those fragments of DNA that are from their bacterial, viral, their fungal, There's some plant. We, see, if you probably noticed in your report, we can see if you have a lot of plant DNA actually will still show up when we do the sequencing because <clears throat> we do what's called shotgun sequencing it's kind of like what it sounds like if you do a shotgun doing it and just blast it apart all the cells you get all these fragments of dna from all all species and then we take them and sequence them so the shotgun sequencing it's called metagenome because the genome is like the human genome is from one species metagenome is across all species we take all those fragments of dna and then we sequence them uh on what are called what's called a next generation sequencer it just means it's the most cutting edge way to sequence a billion, in less than a day we can generate the data, it's billions of fragments of DNA from what came out of your body. And we take each fragment of DNA and then align it, basically you map that piece of DNA to every known genome, bacterial, viral, plant, animal, otherwise fungal, and then do counts. It's kind of like stacking up blocks of wood on, on different spots on a ground. So, okay, this is a plant, this is this species, here's a E. coli, here's a bifidobacterium. You can just start to stack them up and count the number of molecules that came from different species.
4: And that's actually uh, just, that's a hard computational problem because uh, one, like species share lots of DNA, right? So um, it's it's like a, it's like a puzzle, right? You're, you you kind of have the picture on the box and you got a little piece and you know, like with a puzzle, the bigger the piece, the easier it is to, to figure out what the puzzle is, you know? But so we're, what, what, we we have 150 base pair, what, what, what fragment yeah. size are we? Yeah. we have, yeah. So we have 150 base pair fragments. So our puzzle piece size is 150 base pairs, which is pretty small compared to the, the total size of, of some of these genomes, right? So it's actually a, a really hard computational task to start taking these puzzle pieces and matching them to the, the picture box, if you will, which is the other uh, yeah. the, the genomes and figuring out like, no, well, this is definitely part of this genome and not that
5: genome. And it took very to the analogy is very spot on like Joel's mm-hmm. analogy of, let's say you went to the store and you took all like 500 puzzle boxes that you could buy and you emptied all of them out on the floor. And then said, okay, now rebuild each original of those 500. You can imagine how hard that would be and how long it would take. But computationally, that's exactly what we do. is we look for some places where if it's not clear, if it looks like it could come from any one of different puzzle uh, puzzles, like different species, uh, it'll get a lower assignment or sometimes not assigned. But we look for those fragments that are unambiguously and very clearly, ah, this came for sure from this species. Uh, we know exactly what, what uh, bacteria or virus this is.
1: I'm so upset I didn't troll you guys. I mean, we could have like... Taken mine and then taken like a little dog poop and then <laughs> yeah. put it in there. And then all of a sudden they're like, What the fuck? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like
5: we've done testing. What's amazing about it actually is you can tell when something is uh is not human because you'll start to get reads from that animal. So uh we've even we've done some other projects uh where we'd sequence everyone's cell phones. We've done this for a fun project where at a conference we'll take everyone's cell phone and sequence the DNA on the surface. We're gonna tell what people have been eating and whether they have cats or dogs in their house because there's DNA left over from their animals on their phone. So uh, from the pipeline we've built on the mapping to any known species, including dogs, cats, anything. Mm.
1: Yeah, they oh, wouldn't have worked um, then. No.
5: <laughs> yeah, she yeah.
1: had that
2: unknown species, <laughs> the Sasquatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
5: that's right. So, um, so then, uh, so once we get all those counts, we then the, that's where some of the machine learning and the AI platform is built on. Is we've learned from all existing public data as well as thousands of samples from our internal database of what does healthy look like, what does disease look like, what's driving some of your ecosystem changes. And then make predictions based on what do those bacteria do? Like how much can they make for vitamins? What is their biochemistry? And then what would likely be something you should have more of or less of in your gut based on uh, machine learning classification of every publicly and private uh, privately held data set that we've ever looked at. Uh, and then from there, then you get the report. So the report is what, how does your gut look? What is it? Uh, how does, what's the status relative to other samples we've looked at? Uh, what are some of the species you could probably get more of that you can then, of course, we, we want the platform not just to be descriptive, like one of the challenges of things like 23andMe or uh, companies uh, like uBiome, which actually just recently uh, had some of their own issues, is they would often just give you a report in a big PDF and say, okay, here's what we found. And, you'd often, and many people would get it and say, well, well so what? You know, I, I have species in my gut. Yes, I knew that already. Or I have some in high, some are low, but what do I do? We wanted to tie it into what is a likely way to increase different foods as well as probiotics and prebiotics that can improve your health. And then also give you a way to order them. So the great thing is the partnership with Thorn is they have a, you know a large manufacturing facility in South Carolina where we can say, okay, we already know what they're manufacturing. We can recommend what we what is already available in the next, you know, one, two years, as we start finding new species we want to grow and actually distribute and have people be able to order, we are all set up.
1: And also, you know, Thorn being, um, I I mean, we've, you know, like been around supplements for a lot of years and like, you know, the Thorn stuff I think is as good out there as anybody's doing it. And just, you know, if I know it gets from, you know, and I, I mean, I I take all the Thorn stuff I buy, like, like nobody sends us, I I would much rather uh, buy the best supplement than get a bunch of free supplements that are worthless. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that people be like, well, I can go on Amazon and get this. And you're like, ah, but,
2: yeah and it's like so, recommended product is start your own and rip off amazon supplement business you know yeah.
1: like when
4: you go to this fucking
1: it, it's just like unreal. man like yeah it's so it, it's pretty interesting i mean uh you know yeah well, um, well
4: we've been to that we do if you can get a chance to tour the, the thorn plant i highly recommend it because it looks like something it looks like they're manufacturing silicon chips in that plant i'm like people are in the white suits um, you could eat off the floors. It's unbelievable. But well, really interesting fact you'll learn, and I, I don't know if this number is exactly correct, but when, when Thorne has its own testing lab. they So when the suppliers provide the raw materials for the supplements, Thorne actually has its own lab that tests, you know, the purity, the everything. I think the number is 25%. I, I, you know, I should get, I'll get corrected on this, but I think they, they return 25% of the bulk materials that come in due to contamination and, and not meeting Thorne's quality standards. You know what happens to that 25%?
1: It, gets, goes it goes to amazon
4: it gets sold yeah. yeah it's pretty crazy it's pretty depressing actually and like this is pretty nasty stuff so so yeah yeah we're obviously biased but uh it was that's why we teamed up with thorn i mean they yeah.
1: have yeah they no have i reputation. mean through like just uh you know um uh, tom Incladon who's our guy out in arizona yeah. from cosenta uh tom is you know whenever uh he's been like, like hey you know do this do this and he always is like hey man if you can find it with the thorn um, he's like, you know, because uh, didn't he used to test supplements as well? For yeah, a little he, bit? he's tested everything. He was a lab, and yeah. he just,
2: you know, maybe yeah. a decade or so ago, and he was just like, you got, you know, do not buy the fucking.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. like oh, budget yeah. shit. And, he's and like, and it's I, actually I should, better to not take it than to buy the yeah. budget shit. Like, just don't take it. And yeah, um, yeah. and I
4: should I should clarify when the, when the when the rejected stuff goes to Amazon, it's not sold by Thorne. it's sold by other companies.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yes, yeah. of course. It's uh, by <laughs> Dorn, yeah, and Warren, yeah, and Warren, <laughs> and Sorn. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Shenzhen,
4: Shenzhen, China. No. Uh,
1: <laughs> did you guys have an opportunity to look at ours? Uh you our know,
4: I did. And and we weren't able to give them a a deep dive. Uh and that's due to our own uh, traveling all over the world and
2: no worries. Uh, so no, no, it just on you, you but on what? that front we we can go through live, which is yeah, fine no, because no, I'll I'm, be fine. Yeah, No. Um, yeah, but as a out. user, it's so we have the PDF version, but like when you log in, it's like it's clearly the report's designed for like a smartphone. Like it, the insights are very intuitive. It's like yeah. for the Koran crowd, Coran yeah. crowd, uh, red good or red bad, green good, like shit no, like that. So
1: it's super. I mean, I'm I'm sure the the raw data that these guys get looks like fucking you know something out of a crazy spreadsheet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so like a, the fact that it's disseminated down into something that like morons like us can go through and be like, hmm, red bad, green good, yellow, mm-hmm. yeah. okay.
5: Uh, no, it, like, it, Yeah. LRS. I
4: have That's LR. I mean, we can go through that. I also have uh John's uh, uh, cause you have, you had testing from some other companies. Yes.
1: Yeah, so what I did and, is I, uh, I ran in parallel with you guys uh, with a three day stool sample and it was just literally worked out like that. I had gone and given blood and then uh, to out in Arizona and they sent me that three day stool and I had it on the counter when you guys came in and I was like, Oh, this is great. Let me run them in parallel. So great.
4: Yeah, so I mean, if we have your permission, <laughs> there's that's some interesting cool. connections between these uh, these data, these uh, different tests, and I could you know explain the, the differences between these. Dude, go what for it. Measuring. So, because um, one of the tests you had um, was more of a biochemical assay, right? So, like they're actually measuring um, you know proteins, analytes, uh, uh, metabolites, and things directly from the stool, and that's just a more expensive, and that's why you need so much stool for these tests, because these biochemical tests are uh, are pretty uh, sample intensive, I guess. Um, so what's really cool, though, is to see, you know, there are things we're inferring from your metagenome profile. And this, you know, this metagenome, I think it says on the report, gives us six gigabytes of data, but that's actually like the distilled form of the data. It actually gives us a lot of data. So what's really cool in your report is to see how much the metagenome signature is actually being corroborated by the much more expensive, much more uh, arduous and uh, biochemical testing. So a great example is, you know, I think, uh, again, if I have your permission to talk yeah. about.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's,
4: that's why okay. we're here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're. Uh, I have sorry, nothing to have hide. A, uh, we've gone through so
1: much HIPAA training uh, that. You know, <laughs> right. you know, well, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, All right. I'm stoked to talk about it. Okay, great. So, you know, one of the things we
4: notice in your, um, your test is you have a high inflammation score in the longevity test.
1: Is that correct? I think I have yours. Yeah. Correct. John, yeah, 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 yeah JRW is me. Yeah. So,
4: um, but if you look at your biochemical test, they actually test for some of the inflammatory markers. So, uh, um, IGA, uh, which yours is low, uh, fecal calprotectin, which is probably is like one of the most, you know, used clinically uh, markers for intestinal inflammation, and you're still in the green zone, but you're you're not zero. Um, but you're, you're still, it looks like you have low inflammation. However, if you go down to your uh, metabolic, yeah. um, right below that, what's interesting yeah. is you can, driving our longevity inflammation score. It's basically an, you know, an overabundance of certain bacteria that have been associated with uh, inflammation and an underabundance of bacteria that, um, can sort of uh, calm inflammation, and actually these things match up pretty well. So I'll explain. Like you have you have low levels of this uh, species, Achromantia. Achromantia is a super interesting bacteria in the gut because there's a bit of a hierarchy in the gut, where um, these acromansia It's pretty disgusting, actually. They're like the baby owl, mama owls. I don't know. <laughs> like if it was, what I mean by that is they eat uh, mucus and other things from the gut, and then they turn that into. Uh, metabolites and there's a whole second level of bacteria that feed off that, right So there's a bunch of other bacteria that are like baby birds waiting for the mom to you know regurgitate the food into the mouth and that's that's so the acromantia has a really sort it's, of it's like a you know keystone sort of species there for that reason. You have low levels and what acromantia and these other species you're low in is they produce uh, beta or butyrate in the gut and butyrate is an anti-inflammatory, um, you know, compound. It's also a fuel for the uh, gut cells that they really, really, really like. And if you look at your uh, balance between butyrate and acetate, um, you're, you're way out of balance, right? So you're you're super low on your butyrate uh, production, which is reflected in this biochemical assay, and you're way off the charts on acetate. Yeah. And that's that's the that that is a pro-inflammatory balance of um, you know bacterial uh, short-chain fatty acids. So, what's good is it doesn't look like it's leading to too much intestinal inflammation, like because your is low, and things like that. But acetate is also associated with um, um, glucose uh, glucose dysregulation as well. So there's a, a pretty interesting paper as a, where they that suggests that the mechanism of action in terms of how diet soda might be associated with obesity, for example, is that um, the bacteria are you, do, you develop bacteria that produce huge amounts of acetate, and when the acetate becomes systemic, that the acetate uh, short-chain fatty acid messes with glucose regulation and things like that. So that's you know So really, the uh, the longevity uh, inflammation score is reflecting this uh, disturbance in your uh, or suboptimal, um, you know, short chain fatty acid, uh, configuration, which is in fact, you know, reflected in your biochemical assays.
2: So do we need to get John a bumper sticker that says I eat acetate?
5: (laughs) No,
1: uh, it it was pretty interesting as I as, as I sat back and I, you know, went through and did all the research, uh, like, you know, what would contribute to this. It really came down to the fact that I wasn't consuming enough soluble and insoluble fiber. So mm-hmm. I mean, just from this report, uh, and then also your diet recommendation, because I'd always eaten uh, pretty high, you know, obviously high protein, but like I ate like a significantly more amount of fat than obviously carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. And uh, upon seeing it, I realized I was like, you know what, um, not only is, uh, you know, saturated fat can be extremely antimicrobial, maybe there's some issues with that. So I dropped uh, my fat, I mean, I almost cut it in half and basically doubled and tripled my carbs. And, uh, you know, first thing in the morning, I get like, um, I ground up like flaxseed uh, meal and I mix it with like oatmeal and yeah. started kind of incorporating more soluble and insoluble fiber sources um, as a way to com- combat this. And, uh, you know, but I, I thought everything was fine. Performance is good. Didn't really notice any inflammation, nothing. But mm-hmm. obviously I needed to make a change.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah I think I think what's good, it, and I'll let Chris weigh in here, but it, I think it suggests to me that your your gut, you know, I hate to use the phrase leaky gut because it's kind of a it doesn't have much of a basis in in more exact biology, but 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 it does appear like your intestinal barrier and and other sorts of things aren't aren't worn down or 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 inflamed, so that that's good. so you know it's a good it's a good time to make the change um, that you that there is low levels of inflammatory markers actually in in the stool. Chris, I'm not going to anything else.
5: kinds of fiber as well, like it's another thing we try to tease out you know some are more or less soluble and will lead to different effects and so some of the science on that is still pretty new but we know there are differences and we're tracking those as well and we just want to make it so people don't like uh, we want to give specific recommendations like the whole platform is supposed to be actionable like uh what kinds of fiber what kinds of probiotics, supplements vitamins should you take and make it very prescribed and say here's what we think is the best uh based on all available literature and so you know fiber, you know, you don't want to just tell people, like, well, you should take a, a whole wicker furniture set and put it into the big blender and then, you know, swallow that down. Like, what
1: food, like, uh, so, so for me, like, eating, like, uh, oatmeal and, and, you know, flaxseed, and then, um you know, obviously, like, um, I'm big on cruciferous vegetables, and I just remember when I got my genetics done, the dude was like, just eat a bunch of cruciferous vegetables, it'll help you out, so that's a big thing for us, is like, you know, rotating between, like, kale and Brussels sprouts and yeah. anything I can get for that, so, like, what recommend, I mean, I, I know you guys put a whole recommendation of, uh, supplements together that, and then the, the whole food diet, which, you know, I'm more than happy to eat. But like, mm-hmm. I, as soon as I got this report, I ordered all the supplements and like, I'm, I'm the type where it's like, man, if you tell me what to do it and we're going to baseline it and test it, I will mm-hmm. take it every single day. Like I just, yeah. you know, and so like, uh, and I'll tell you this, I feel dramatically better, uh, from the, um, Med and the, oh, yeah. uh, Arbanix or <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like those two, uh, um, I'm not sure. Like I, I take them before bed. I don't know if there's a, a most advantageous time to take them, like morning, noon, like whatever it looks like. I usually take them before bed. And like it, uh, I know I feel better when I wake up. Like like my, And I know it's kind of a weird deal. Like my stomach feels flatter after I take it when I wake up in the morning.
4: But it's a, it's a good point in that, that Chris was making too, that not all fibers are created equal. I think it's unfortunate, um, you know, advice that, that that's out there. Um, it can be huge differences that can be selective, you know, feeding of different bacteria based on different fibers. And some fibers are frankly like junk food for bacteria, right? So you, so you can even contribute to overgrowth, right? So there's some uh, highly refined fibers that we are all in our favorite, you know, delicious protein bars that we like to, to eat when we're about to catch a plane and we haven't eaten all day and all that kind of stuff. But some, some those are fibers and it looks like good fiber, but it's really like a junk food where the, if you have an overgrowth potential and there's these opportunistic like bacteria, yeah, like, like yeah, a
1: candida overgrowth and
4: yeah, candida or, or, or just there's, there's a bunch of other bacteria that will opportunistically overgrow into the small bowel. Um, if there's a lot of this sort of junk food fiber, you know, kind of fuel their growth, uh,
1: what so, fibers yeah. would you guys recommend? Like, I mean, obviously the, the supplements, but like from like a food source, you know, I know you guys recommended like a, a, a like a whole, uh whole food diet for me. So like what, what would fit within that soluble and insoluble fiber? Well, I think re- the,
4: the first key is it depends. <laughs> it depends on what's in your microbiome, right? So we will,
1: uh, well I'm selfish. So looking at mine, yeah. what do you recommend for me? <laughs> Let me pull it up here. I have it right in front of me. Um,
5: the whole like the part of the whole food diet gives you you know some of it like basically legumes, uh, fresh vegetables, leafy vegetables. A lot of it come from just uh, the the whole food diet, which is you know it's something that you know CDC has studied this a bit. And you, know, you want to look at what what else are sort of the the amount of indigestible fibers that are there, and, and foods that have more of them at least on the prediction from what's in your gut would, would probably be good because it it basically you know keeps the highways in motion uh, for what's going through them. So.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I Googled it and, um, you know, got on there and I looked at like the whole food diet and I basically went through like what they recommend for insoluble, soluble fiber and I created a list and then try to hit just about every one of those within a, within a week.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the fibers is basically the bacteria are breaking down these big, you know, polysaccharides and, and, uh, things like that into smaller, um, uh, molecules. Um, so, um, you know, the, the gums, like the, the guar gums and stuff, will have different different properties than, say, uh, some like the aninulin fiber or something like that. So, uh, um, you know, for you, it, what's key is that uh, your butyrate is so low um, that, you know, you want these uh, fibers that are going to... Because, you know, fibers are the input to the biosynthetic pathways to produce short-chain fatty acids for the most part, right? So uh, I think it's the sun fiber... That's uh, in the, the guar gum, that's a sun, sun fiber, is the brand name that's in the enteramin. Uh, um, so, that has is, is been shown to sort of fuel the uh, production of butyrate in mm-hmm. yeah. the gut.
5: And Terramin, just as a quick cyber, it's also the one that I've taken that I've liked the most in terms of uh, something that uh, I had the same response. I just kind of felt generally, you know, like things were more regular, more smooth, I don't know, but just felt better, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I've never had uh, any problems like um, uh, with like, um, you know, const- like I've like I've never been constipated in my life. Like, I've but I've also you know, I also know people that are, you know, go five or six times a day. I've always been super regular. But it's really interesting since I started taking that. Um, and so, uh, you know, listeners will know this. But like when I retired from the NFL and I went through that Amon study and they were, you know, um, you know, like, Hey, you know, presented these problems. First thing I did was like, Hey, how do I fix this? And I ended up hitting up, uh, Matt Lalonde, who's a PhD, a buddy of ours at Harvard. And he pulled a bunch of research and was like, you know, I think a ketogenic diet might help you. So I did Mm -hmm. a pretty, you know, like, I don't think I ate a carb for like two years Mm -hmm. and it was not only was it awful, but um, I remember coming out the other end of it and it was like a brain fog had been lifted. And yeah. at that point, I had started working kind of more carbs back in, but I always kept pretty low carb just because it was, uh, it just kind of fit within my palate. Like I like to eat uh, meat, I kind of like more fit. Like I'm not big on terms of like sugary, um, you know, if I'm going to sit down, I would rather eat yeah. like two steaks and have a steak and a potato. It's just kind of the way I would rather eat. And so um, I think I kind of got stuck within that. And then doing this, like I said, you know, like all of a sudden, as you start kind of going through those markers and as you kind of start putting them in as key search functions and going through, you start, you know, connecting, hey, uh, you know, we found that when, you know, bioterate's low, um, you know, these are the problems that kind of are associated with it. And you're like, well, I don't want any of those fucking problems. So, you know, and and so for me, I'm not emotionally tied to food in any way other than the fact that like, I just want to be the healthiest, strongest, best performer in the in the world. Uh, for me personally, so like that's why I'm big on these recommendations. I'm like, sounds good. I'll make wholesale change just to try yeah. to see if it makes the effect, and which is is really interesting for us dealing with people with nutrition. Where I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just eat those foods? And they're like, well, I, emotionally, I can't. I'm like. Shouldn't you emotionally be tied to like being the healthiest, best Healthy, performer on yeah, the planet? Yeah, exactly. yeah, so, like for me, like my emotional connection to food is like absolutely zero. Just tell me what the best foods are for me to eat to for knowing my gut performance. And then getting something like this with the supplements and all that, I'm like, how do I just get everything to be fantastic to where you like call me up and you're like, Man, this is the best we could hope for. Oh,
2: like, like McQuokens test?
1: Well, oh, yeah, I was the most diverse of this team.
5: Yeah, who yeah, was the most diverse?
1: Well, he also does go out on the most dates on bundles oh, yeah, yeah. and eats a lot of ass, so.
5: <laughs> that's it. Acet,
2: uh, I can acetate. Acetate.
1: <laughs> but he likes butt uterate. Yeah, that's
5: right. Uh, well, you got to, you know, the it, it's not just for uh, giving, it's also for getting. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, it, it, like, as, um, I, yeah, man, like, I, I was... Um, Really, it, it was just super interesting, and it's one to, you know, what's nice is that even though, like, hey, these are the problems we've seen, now here's the strategy to implement change, which is what I strive for with everything that we do, like, just, you know, and we were, I was thinking about this the other day, I'm sure you guys saw the, uh, the girl, the, the 16-year-old girl from Sweden who got up and was <laughs> land-based yeah, in the yeah. UN on this climate deal, um, yeah. but yet, you know, you've stolen my youth, you've done all these things, but yet provided no recommendations on how we could potentially not steal our youth which feels like just telling me about problems but not giving me solutions. Um, mm-hmm. Shaming people without giving them some form of like actual items to make change, to me, is just fucking noise. Yeah,
5: what well, so, makes it hard for people to ask, I mean, let's say one of the goals of the platform is like we want to tell you what we think is, is good or bad. Because sometimes we see people and their diversity is like over 99% of anyone I've seen. They look great. And we'll still say these are things we recommend that can just maintain that. But if, especially if you get anything that looks like it's dysbiosis, you got to say, well, how, how do we think we can make it better? And so that's one of the things we wanted to build from the platform from the ground up. The other thing is we don't want to ever sit still. We always want to, like, we're constantly surveying the literature, including more data into the database, and updating our own databases. And then we also are, you know, running clinical trials. We want to make sure it's working in people. We love to get feedback. We love to know what people think, what, what works, and especially if something doesn't work. And then finally, we're going to launch uh, likely next year's, you know, this is what are generally sort of uh, pre-formulated mixtures of things that we know work that we've done clinical trials on. But yeah. the ultimate in optimization is something we have uh, a number of patents on that's going to be coming out where, based on your genetic and molecular profile, we'll be able to give basically high-speed printed versions of your exact titrated and perfect proportions.
0: So we will of be
1: the first ones signed first up, for, hands yeah. down, and we'll do a podcast on it. I mean, it's, okay. uh, yeah, no, that sounds... Um, you know,
0: like you, you want to
5: like, and then I mean, the, the big question we have is on the marketing. Like, if you have a, a customized like little tea bag with your own perfect probiotics on it, do you want your face on that tea bag? Do you want like your wife's face on it? Do you want an ex girlfriend? What is that? Your dog? I don't know what face or what the marketing looks like. On a tea what, bag.
2: what do you represent? Like tea bag? Yeah. Do you put faces on tea bags or tea bags on faces? Uh, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know, weird. that's pretty oh, good. Man, it's a good one. Well, that's because my uh, is, inflammation score
1: is low. Is um, uh, the the other thing that we've been uh, I've been reading a ton on, and I think we discussed a little bit is the idea of uh, like metabolic flexibility. You know, mm-hmm. the people that can consume the most diverse diet tend to be the most yep. metabolically flexible, which um, you know basically leads to you know the greatest opportunity of health. I mean, you know, it's uh, you know from everything I've ever read, it seems like the person that can. I, I guess can like consume the greatest variety of foods tends to be the healthiest individual. And, uh, something we combat quite often is people that are healthy individuals that voluntarily create what I call like metabolic inflexibility. Cause they think it'll lead to performance. Like I will give you an example, like, Hey, I'm a healthy individual. And all of a sudden I find out that like, Hey, these guys have done really well on the carnivore diet, for example. And yeah. so now as this healthy individual, I'm just gonna eat nothing but meat. Yeah. When yeah. the people that are feeling great in the carnivore diet are like basically so metabolically broken within yeah. the gut that they can only consume fucking Costco filets without shitting their brains out. And so they're using mm-hmm. this diet to like fix pathology. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, and then the problem is, is you have healthy individuals trying to extrapolate that out as a performance diet. And we were working with the guys from Naval Special Warfare out in Virginia Beach. And like these dudes were doing this, like I want to do carnivore with that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You guys are healthy individuals. Why would you create this metabolic inflexibility? Like, why would you purposely put yourself into this corner? Yeah. And uh, I like, and they were like, well, so and so said that he felt great, and I'm like, but he was fucked up. Like he's yeah, got all yeah. these issues, and uh, like as a healthy individual, there's there's nothing that would there's no research that says if you take a healthy individual and you put them in a super restrictive diet that it's going to lead mm-hmm. to health and performance. I mean, the most metabolically flexible people tend to be the ones that support the most lean muscle mass. So like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think... Like, so I so, say so, so I'm, I'm on... I mean, that narrative yeah. that we're working with is pretty in line with...
4: Yeah, I think you could almost, in my mind, define health as your ability to respond to changing you know, environment and, and perturbations to your physiology, right? This is and you know, there's a, there's a phrase for this and it's called hormesis, which is your ability to sort of have a dynamic response uh, to things. And in fact, um, you know, we think this is the basis of a lot of things that are, are pro longevity, right? So for example, uh, sitting in a sauna, right, has, has been associated actually in a pretty strong way with reduction in Alzheimer's risk and all these other things. So changing the high temperatures, changing the low temperatures, um,
1: how many, you know, how many you days a week? Because <laughs> I, I do yeah, it four I mean, days a week.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you have to talk to someone else who's yeah, more of yeah. an expert on that stuff. But the, but even down to the molecular level, so we have compounds like resveratrol and and things like that. A lot of the compounds that are pro uh, longevity or pro health are actually mild poisons, actually in a way. So what they'll do is they'll like, kind of get to the cell, and the cell will upregulate uh, sort of resilience factors, and it'll start pumping that. Thing. It doesn't want that in there. So we think, oh, this is a thing that's sort of like you know, nutritive or is somehow making the cells feel great. The cells are like, no, screw it. I don't want this, but it's a mild poison. And it's forcing the cells to upregulate their resilience factors. And that's the mechanism by which it's causing, you know, it's a mild poison. Right. So there's a, stress at a molecular level, stress to, yeah, exactly. So, um, and if we, if we can tie it back to the microbiome, you know, the, uh, um, your, your gut is obviously a source of metabolic stress, but I think, People think about it too simply, right? We think like, oh, we eat carbs, so I'll stress my insulin response or something like that. Or, but it, the bacteria is a—it's a pharmacy in your gut, right? It's this whole set of bacteria that are waiting for input, and they'll eat stuff, and then they're pumping out all kinds of small molecules, and you absorb these small molecules. So, like these acetate, butyrate, propionates, these short-chain fatty acids—you know, these absolutely—they're—they're they're small enough that they'll actually get into your bloodstream, and they actually. Uh, in butyrate's case, get to the blood-brain barrier, right? So these things, this little pharmacy in your gut is putting out small molecules that are then actually starting to float around in your, in your brain. So it's not. I think that the key thing is to think beyond just like you know carbs, no carbs as, as sources of metabolic stress. There's, there's, you're basically flooding your body with small molecules. You know when you're eating different foods.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as you guys know, people. Uh, you know, and I do this, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing. Like I would eat the same meal every single day for every meal for the yeah. rest of my life. Like it it's just, convenience, man. yeah, it's convenience. It's like the Albert Einstein. I'm just going to wear one suit. You know, the reason Mark Zuckerberg wears that awful one ch- shirt is because he's you know that's less dope. to think about. It's easier to shop for. So like really going out and forcing yourself into this diversity deal. Um, and, and then there's always this thing like, ah, does it really matter? And so that's what I thought was, uh, you know, it's so nice to have this really kind of just very simple, almost like something you get from Apple um, is what it kind of reminded me of, like yeah. the colors and the white and very, you know, comes in and it's like, well, you're, you know, not as good as you could be. And here are the <laughs> strategies to implement. So um, uh, the problem that we run into, and we, we see this in the training space and all this, like I think we're unique in that uh, if you tell me there's a problem and you tell me how to action the problem, I will ch- change. Like, yeah. whereas yeah. other people will just be like,
2: Eh, eh, eh. I could live with that.
1: Yeah, I'm okay. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. It, it, like, why wouldn't you take the best information that you have at that moment and then implement a change? Like, it just, it feels well, like um, the definition of insanity, you know?
5: Yeah, well, sometimes I think people just have, like, great, really bad reactions and they, and they think they're stuck that way. So a great example of, like, peanut allergies historically reviewed is, that, you know, once you have a peanut allergy, there's nothing you can do. But there were two amazing clinical trials published in 2015 and 16 that showed Actually, the best thing to do for infants that are starting to become allergic is to away from their dose of it and slowly increase them. There's actually two new uh, therapies now approved by the FDA that use this idea of, of kind of like Joel was saying, you know, this idea of hormesis, where you challenge the system, but in a more you know, sort of a logical and sort of programmed way, uh, build out eventually an immunity. It's called oral immunotherapy in one context. And so, you know, same idea. Someone's like, oh, I'm allergic to peanuts. I'm just screwed. That's just how I'm going to be. Like even something that you know has led to all a ban, like almost peanut butter in every classroom, uh, is actually something that if you know enough information about what's happening in the body, you can slowly train, retrain the body uh, to you know you, you probably can sometimes still have discomfort, but make it so at least you won't go into anaphylactic shock and die. It's actually
1: all nuts now. Um, my kids these were, nuts, well, these nuts. Uh, my kids who are in second grade. What's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying these to get these, to least crack these guys are over here fucking just splitting <laughs> wigs with knowledge, and you're over here talking about fucking salty nuts. This is uh, all, uh, <laughs> but like, uh, so jumbo. so now my my kids are in second grade. Uh, they have uh, It's not just peanuts; it's all nuts. And yep. so the, nuts. Uh, the hilarious part is, I'm like, well, just give them cashews. I'm like, those aren't tree nuts; they're a fruit. And uh, this is completely fucking ex- like, no, they're not allowed to have cashews. I'm like, mm-hmm. they're not fucking tree nuts. Cashews are very similar to
2: poison ivy as well, and I've. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to it, but the old internet, like uh, if you were to take this approach and slowly titrate up like your level... It reminds me of, of
5: cane
1: Powder. Of
5: like cashews, Bride, it's supposed
2: to lower <laughs>
5: right. yeah. your sensitivity you to...
1: He's never seen the movie. Princess Red? <laughs> yeah, you've never seen yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, he's never seen it? No, you said go watch it, and
2: you know what I did? I watched it. Oh. And it was, I mean... I
5: Do you believe imagine. in true love? Do you think it's real? Right, true love. It's That's real, still one right? of my favorite
1: <laughs> movies, uh, like the RUSs. Like I still joke, I'm like it's like a big RUS. What, a rat of unusual size?
5: Mm-hmm. There's actually a new NASA study. It's called a, a rodent mission of unusual size. That they called it in honor of the Princess Bride. Oh, no they're gonna kidding! Fly, they're going to shoot 500 rodents up in space for a large-scale study. They call the Rodent Mission of Unusual. <laughs> they actually
1: call it that. Uh, the, uh, um, I know we're talking about this, but I'm, I'm totally geeked on like the, uh, the physiological changes of astronauts in space.
5: That actually. Be, uh, like a, I have a long story about that. There's a, there's a lot of changes. As you can imagine, the body I was not built for space, at least not yet. So it's, uh, it's something you can, you can see. There's a lot of adaptation. But uh, one of the takeaways we have from the study is that the body has this extraordinary plasticity. Uh, or at least the astronauts do, they're really, um, you know, on the, on the edge of the distribution of humanity, they're really in great shape and really, uh, you know, great cognitive abilities and really, you know, just super motivated. They, I mean, the body looks like it's in really awful shape, but then responds in, as uh, extraordinary resilience. So, um, yeah, a lot of us, we just published that in the paper in science, but there's a lot more we could go into details on.
1: Yeah. I, I was down at uh, the Institute of Human and Machine Cognition. uh did a speaking engagements for Ken Ford and they were working on this machine on how to uh, lift weights in space. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, so I went in there and they would been working on this thing. I mean, millions of dollars, three years. It's and they, thing. and they were like, Hey, can you help us evaluate this thing? And uh, yeah. I went in there and was like, you guys have never lifted a fucking weight in your life. Have you? <laughs> and they were like, um, no, we're engineer. I'm like, you guys don't lift weights. And I'm like, anybody who knows anything about lifting weights would have never designed this machine the way you've designed right. it. Yeah. And, uh, as I went through it within like 20 minutes, you could see these fucking poor dudes like, just like the light being extinguished because they've been working on this thing. And I'm like, I was like, why? Uh, like, 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 why did you
5: call me when you started this? Yeah.
1: That's what I said. I was like, here's my number, man. Like we could make this thing so much better. You just need to talk to somebody that's actually lifted weights and understands like, you know, training in terms of like, you know, uh, different planes of motion and how it all works within like these, you know, uh, primal patterns with X, Y, and Z and rotation and all this. And I'm like, if you could just have the machine do this, we could do all of this and you'd be fine. And they were just like, uh, they just turned around and walked back in. I was like, did I say something? And they're like, no, they've been working on this thing for like three years. And I'm like, yeah. this is what they right. fucking have. Right. Oh, I, I felt like Harry Stamper, you know, when he's like, you guys are NASA, you know, but yeah. So ever since then, I've just been super geeked on like all the physiological changes and like the idea of like, how do you uh, sustain muscle mass when you're in this kind of weightless environment, which is so interesting to me.
5: Yeah, okay. you, know, you see in, in the urine all the markers for bone, a bone like activation. you trying to build bone, are sky high, but all the calcium. You can see the bones being like basically dissolved and coming out of his urine, while the body's trying desperately to maintain the bone density, but but not can't quite do it all the way. But it, you know working on it.
4: I think one thing that's worth re- remembering in you know the, in an age where we're getting down to genetics and molecules and you know even like compounds and supplements is how important um, you know sort of physical stress is to the body and physical forces. Um, and how much the body's physiology depends on you know like shearing forces and and things like that even there so there's a lot of activity now to to create organoids, right so c- creating like mini brains in a dish, mini guts in the dish, kidneys in a dish. actually, a paper just came out this week showing that you know they they were finally able to create these these uh, nice, I think it was kidney organoids and things like that because they had to start like pumping, liquid through it and could be like mechanical shearing forces like going across the cells in order for the, the biology to respond and start growing in the right way. So it, it's good to remember that in the age of molecular biology, like this, these physical forces are really important.
1: Yeah, I always yep. thought, like, how does Wolf's Law approach uh, in yeah. terms of, like, space where I'm, yeah. like, you know, like, how, uh, you know, a bone reacts to stress and then you all of a sudden put these guys in an unweighted situation. Like, like yeah. the body, I, I was just thinking for, like, you know, the brain, especially within, like, gravity pulling down, like, uh, it just, yeah, it... uh pretty amazing like i think that's a really interesting one and then you talk to the flat earthers and they're like they've never been in yeah. space i'm like <laughs> yeah. you know uh and the, the one i always go back to is like ken ford which is so funny uh like as i was talking like i was joking with ken ford and ken ford's like you know they put out that to find the morons 100%. and like he, he had this whole thing and i was like you know the smartest dudes in the world like
3: moron what? located
1: yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it's a spinning yeah.
1: disc it's going so fast that's why it looks like a you know, well, well, what's on the other side of the disk? Is uh, that where the dinosaurs live? And then when they die, that's how we find fossils? No, it's yeah. heads and tails. It's that oh, simple. So,
4: yeah, the upside down stranger things, I guess. That's right.
5: The perfect hyperbiome, the perfect fecal transplant is on the other side. It's right there. <laughs> yep. We have to go. <laughs> well, I've got to run actually down the hall. But the uh, it was awesome. Really great chatting with you guys. Yeah, yeah guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks appreciate it. so much.
2: It. Appreciate it and yeah, thanks listeners yeah. for listening to yeah, another episode of the Premier Podcast in strength and conditioning. Conditioning. Mm-hmm. Alright, guys. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
4: Take care.
0: Now it's time for you to empower your performance. To learn more about Longevity and their easy to use diagnostic test, head to onegevity.com. Until next time. Bye.